Now I'm recording, ha 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 ha, because hello and welcome to Punk Goes Pod, the internet's only podcast that chronicles fearless records, Punk Go series, to answer the age-old question, heck yeah, or yeah nah. Are we not swearing this one? We're we're going PG, no we're not really, fuck that. (laughs) I was about to say, I really... (laughs) I genuinely want to try and not swear as much, but I know that... Ooh, I, I feel like that's a conscious effort that we would need to actually try and do that, though. I know. Especially if we were going to record, because I get slightly, slightly nervous. I mean, especially when we're talking to other people, but, like, not nervous, but just, like, if I if I don't know what I'm going to say, I might start to just sort of stumble my words and ramble and swear a little bit. I feel like you aren't as bad as, like, just swearing to fill space, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, Whereas I, I have a very stinky potty a, mouth. You have a bad history with it. I do. Yeah. I knew it all along. Ah. Swearing's just so fun. It is. <laughs> um, this week, we are... Looking at the song Knew It All Along by Midtown, uh, as covered by Midtown acoustically for Punk Goes Acoustic 1. So we've peaked, haven't we? We've done 100 episodes, and now 101, it's an acoustic episode. Look, I'm looking forward to talking about Midtown. Um, I'm also just pleased that we made it to 100 at all, or that I made it to 100, because I feel like you would be able to carry this project very well if you had to, whereas it takes a lot of rallying for me to just sit here and do this. I guess it's like a a good element to it is like we just did a two and a half, we just released a two and a half hour episode. <laughs> yeah. We released the longest episode in our history. Just to be absolute punishers. Let's go the opposite. Let's, let's say... Uh, the let's do the shortest episode. So this song is good, and the cover is good. Goodbye. <laughs> we should do that for some of the ones that we truly don't give a shit about. I have the idea for Patreon to do to do short reviews of short songs. Oh yeah, and to basically to time how long the song is, and that's the constraint of the time I review it. <laughs> and so, like, if I was to do You Suffer by Napalm Death, which is a one-second song. It's good. I, I didn't suffer. Ah, uh, gotcha. I didn't suffer. <laughs> or I, like, I do, like, a, a like a couple of minutes of a review, but, like, I compress, condense, <laughs> condense it to, like, one second, so it's just, like, <laughs> Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, so short reviews for short songs might be coming up at some point. I need to write a list of short songs, but I guess, you know, there's short songs for short people, so like... Short music for short people. Short music for short people, so there's like 30 songs right there. Which, look, it's definitely already been reviewed chronologically before on another podcast, which we borrowed quite a lot from, Um, but I'm sure we'll do a better job of it. Sure. Anyway, let's get into Midtown. Yes. Boy, me, you said it's alright. You shot me for dead. 
So, Midtown formed in 1998. They hail from New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Uh, The band formed when Gabe Supporter, the vocalist slash bassist, and Rob Hitt, drummer, and Tyler Ran, guitars and vocals, met in university. That's the adult version of high school, (laughs) unlike the rest of these bands. Uh, They would soon enlist second guitarist Heath Saraceno. So the band split up in 2005, but reunited for a small string of shows in 2014. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've all gone off to do their own thing. Most notably, I guess, would be Gabe, who formed the dance pop group Cobra Starship. They enjoyed a 10-year run from... Well, this doesn't make sense. No. (laughs) I wrote 2005 from 2010. Uh, Time is stopped in that time period. No. From 2005 to 2015, they experienced a good good run of uh, hits. Yes. Since 2016, supporter with the Academy Is guitarist, Mike Carden, have run talent agency The Artist Group. Uh, This is... Uh, supporter has explained he now wants to work behind the scenes and help younger artists see their dreams come true, which I like that. Yeah. I like the idea of him helping out the younger, the younger talents. Yeah. Like, you know, the future generation of the, music. The future Cobra stuff. The future Cobra, <laughs> the, like, there's no name for a baby snake, is there? Um. The snakelet. <laughs> Snake, snake, snakelet on a plane lit. <laughs> yeah, snakelet on an Airbus. <laughs> snakelet on an Airbus. <laughs> Wait, can you answer this question for me? An Airbus is a plane, isn't it? Yeah, it's just one of those little guys. Yeah, all right, all right. So uh, Heath Saraceno would join Census Fail, but playing guitar with the band for five years. Uh, he and Census Fail drummer Dan Trapp have a side project called The Jet Tones. Mm-hmm. Rob Hitt has his own record label, I Surrender Records. Uh, probably their biggest client being Four Years Strong. Sick. And Tyler Ran works in the fashion slash clothing industry. Cool. Uh, and of course, like this is one of those ones where it's an acoustic song, an acoustic cover of a band's own song, so there's not really much information about it, but... The album Save the World, Lose the Girl, which features the song Knew It All Along, was produced by Mark Trombino, who produced albums like Static Prevails by Jimmy Eat World, Dude Ranch by Blink-182, and What It Is to Burn by Finch, amongst many others. And I wrote he had a hand in producing a lot of scene band albums. Oh, he's produced so many. Um, he, had a, he, had a, he had fingers in a lot of scene pies. Sure, that's yeah. one way to put it. Yep. Um, yeah. So, I know that you have more of a relationship with uh, Gabe Supporter's uh, more successful project, Cobra Starship, but do you have, do you have any, uh, you know, anecdotes or feelings or did you listen to Midtown back in the day? I was a casual Midtown fan. Like, they're one of the bands that 
got name dropped a lot in the scene that I was in. So like, yeah, bands like Fallout Boy and that would play alongside Midtown or were big fans of Midtown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. Like they were sort of them along with like the likes of Lifetime, and that got name dropped a lot as being like front runners. Not necessarily like establishing the sound but like front runners in the scene of like that particular brand of pop punk and so yeah they were one of those bands where it was like oh yeah like i should definitely appreciate these people in just in terms of like similar to like how you feel like you have to pay your dues as a fan of like a certain movement of music or whatever and like Therefore, you must know band A, band B, band C, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's like if you are getting into metal, you have to, you have to, you know, you can't say a bad thing about Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's funny because I, and I guess because, you know, there is a couple of years difference between us, so we were going through the scene a bit at different times. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a band that got no mention at yeah, all. Yeah, that's crazy. Like we, nobody, nobody was at all talking about uh, Midtown, they're quite different to like I was. I did listen to Save the World, Lose the Girl, mm-hmm. and it's quite a good album. Yeah. Um, there's, it's not like dirty or anything. It's not like it's not like Discharge playing. Like it's still a pop punk album. Like most of these songs could play on the trailer of a coming of age comedy about a kid going to college. Yeah. But it's sloppy. But it is sloppy. And, like, his vocals sound sound kind of like the lead singer of Less Than Jake. Yeah. But, it, it, well, I think I made the, the, the comparison to you. It's like Less Than Jake without the brass, almost. Yeah. In the instruments as well. And it's, like, it's less... I feel like it's a bit more compressed as well. Like, there's... there's it's it's It doesn't have that saccharine edge yeah. to it. Which I yeah. guess... I guess it's because maybe it was a couple of years before the Newfound Glory was out, out at the same time, but like it was a couple of years before these bands exploded and the biggest one at that time was Blink. So like, mm. you know, there were a lot of bands coming in, like riding the wave of Blink and I guess Midtown was one of them. But yeah, it was it was interesting having listened to them because I, I feel like I would have actually really gotten into them. yeah. In, like, the early stages, like, when I was listening to Blink and Mill and Colin and, you know, Pennywise and that sort of thing. And then yeah. moving on to New Foul Glory and some such. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I But as I said, like, we... Nobody talked about this band. Nobody knew about this band yeah. when I was in school. Like, nobody, nobody talked about Midtown in person, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't something where... Like, outside of me and my friend talking to slash at each other about bands, like, there wasn't much buzz around them, even though, like, the one Midtown album that I owned, Forget What You Know, which was released in 2004, like, even though they were releasing music around that time, if that makes sense, Mm. like, um, and yeah, apparently they toured, true, apparently they toured that album over here. Which, again, it's one of those things like, oh man, but um, how was I to know, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, definitely a name that was thrown around lots in terms of getting 
cred as like having known your stuff in terms of yeah emo whatever the fuck else um yeah but yeah like i guess like from what i understand like midtown <sighs> to me they're sort of in the same um category i guess is like the likes of like the get up kids in that way like mm. if you know you know yeah but otherwise relatively benign, if that makes sense. Yeah, like everyone, like anyone can name drop Blink-182 or Simple Plan. Or Fallout Boy. Or, or Fallout Boy, but do you know Midtown? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, I think in general they sort of got mixed like reception on like a greater scale, but like in the scene, people were like, yeah, fuck yeah, Midtown, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. yeah, and that's... <sighs> So I don't I don't know if it's like oh they deserved more because I'm sure they did well yeah um and like I'm sure you know coming off the, although like you know Cobra Starship was lo- around longer than Midtown was but I'm sure that him coming off the backs of that was a good help in you know the beginning stages of Cobra Starship yeah um yeah I don't know what I was really getting <laughs> it's it's just like. I I don't yeah I don't know if they necessarily deserved to be you know headlining stadiums it's like the first album as I said save the world lose the girl it's good um but there's still something that that I as I said I would have liked it as a kid mm. but it's it doesn't blow me away and yeah. I, and I think that's kind of how I feel about this song like I like this song but I think Especially listening to it, you know, how I do, which is I listen to it, you know, six weeks in advance and then I come back to it, (laughs) come back to it five weeks later and then I listen to it repeatedly for, you know, a day. Yeah. I think with every consecutive re-listen, it was just a bit more eh to me. I still think this is a good song. I, I think this is a lower G good song. Like this yeah. isn't a capital G good. This is a lower G good song. Like it's there's stuff to enjoy. As I said, kind of sounds a little bit like less than Jake. Well, it's a very because it was released on Drive Through Records, like this album, and it's a very Drive Through Records album. Yeah, like slick enough that it's sort of like being their first studio release. Like it's slick enough that it did the job, but yeah. It leaves a lot to be desired, but that's part of its charm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, because I haven't listened to the rest of their stuff, so I don't know how they progressed throughout the years as well. Well, I guess, like, yeah, by the time they got to Forget What You Know, um, which was five years after, I think, 2004, um, or four then, four or five, whatever, um, it's definitely a a lot more refined, I guess, like... Mm -hmm. You can hear, like, Gabe's voice has gotten a bit more oomph to it. Like, it's a lot... It's a bit stronger. Yeah. Um, There's more, like, sort of cool melodic shit happening that wasn't quite realised in Save the World, Lose a Girl. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, when they disbanded, like, (laughs) Cobra Starship was, like, completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they have a keytar player. They do. Vicky T. Yeah, Vicky T on the keytar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're wild. They really are. 
I, I think I'm going to circle back to the question that I asked. And I think maybe not necessarily they deserve to be bigger, especially like if Save the World, Lose the Girl was their only album. As I said, like it would be one of those ones where it's like, cool, you can name these huge bands, but do you know Midtown? And I feel like, I feel like it's just, it's pretty rote, like standard for what to expect out of a punk slash pop punk band of, well, the earliest of 2000s, which was the year 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you want to talk about Cobra Starship? I do, but I also just want to mention, like, it reminds me a lot of, um, is it Say It Like You Mean It? Um, the starting line? Yes. Yeah, like, this album has very starting line energy. Like, mm. and I do like that there are a few releases here and there where you can sort of group them all together as being like, oh yeah, like, that's a very specific moment in emo slash pop punk slash whatever you want to call it kind yeah. of thing. More than anything, like, listening to Save the World, Lose a Girl, like, I just desperately wanted to go back to being a teenager for like a weekend mm. but that's it i don't want to be there for a prolonged period of time what would you do with that weekend um i would go into the latest latest the nearest town and just sort of wander around listening to these albums on my discman yeah or my um really shit like mp3 player that held like i remember that 200 megabytes of yeah yeah so like two songs oh yeah it was bad um yeah no i remember the first mp3 players and they were like it holds 30 songs yeah i literally had one of those you had to actually choose what songs you wanted on there they had to actually be worth it and then an ipod came out and like it's eight gigabytes and it was like okay so that holds about 2000 songs i don't have to think about yeah what i need on there I remember when I went to Japan and I had to be very selective about which couple of albums I had on mm. my iPod. I well, not not even iPod. It was like a I have no idea what brand it was. Like it was just mm. like this tiny dinky little thing that was run off like a double A battery. I think. Yeah. Um. I think I ended up choosing Everything in Transit by Jack's Mannequin. Um. The god-awfully named... It's like Zombies, Pirates, Something, Something um, by Hello Goodbye. I don't know what else I would have fit on there. I remember I remember having thousands of songs on my iPod, but I think I still probably only listen to the same 30 songs. Yeah. Yeah. I go back to my... like Because I still have my iPod Classic, and it's just trash. Like Mostly because I shared an Apple library with my housemates Mm. at the time. So I've just got like four persons worth of just random shit on there. And so much of it, like I just have zero interest in owning, but I don't use it anymore. So so much of it was like, I'm a music genius and you're going (laughs) to, and you, and if you don't, if you don't like this, then you're a fucking failure. It was just a weird mix. Like there was a lot of like classical stuff. There was a lot of, like, U2 and, like, Foo Fighters. And, and, like, they're all fine, but, like, just didn't really gel with me, I suppose. Uh, U2 can get out. 
But anyway. Um, so yeah, Cobra Starship. I was like super into Cobra Starship. Um, saw them a couple of times. They supported Panic at the Disco, I think, on one tour, which was super sick. It was them, Panic, and the Academy is, which was just like, mwah, like <laughs> fucking ace. It was so good. I mean, he does look like a. He does kind of look like sort of lower resed uh, Brendan Urie, gave supporter. Does he? He kind of, and especially like he at one point had the Hitler Youth haircut, like Brendan Urie. He just strikes me as a dude. Like he can't like when he and like to his credit, like he's a good-looking guy and he sort he's of he's a very good-looking guy. I but think like he's he, modeled before, yeah. And so was, I'm sure Brendan Urie is modeled before That's as true. well. Yes. Like they put like the, the the skinny suit on and they've got the yeah the shaved on the sides and the quaff. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm not saying that like they're doppelgangers or anything, but it just looks like if you sort of squint, it's like is that Brendan Urie? Hmm. No, it's Gabe Supporter. Okay, I know who he is. Um, I'm going to take that as a comment and not comment on it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and then, yeah, they played Soundwave one year, and that was a fun little mosh pit situation. I think, I think in the same building where we got vaccinated. Yeah. So. I think that was... I think that was the year you and I went together. Uh, possibly, yeah. And you were like, I'm going to see Cobra Starship, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, I'm going to see anyone else. <laughs> Look, you missed out, but that's fine. Um, At that point, I only associated, and I've heard a couple of their songs, but I still, when I hear the words Cobra and Starship together, I hear the songs that you make me feel. So that's the song I hear. And then I'm thinking, I don't know if it was for the TV show or if it was for like a, hey, summer of... Channel 9, we've got these shows. And they played that song. Yeah. And one of the shows was Two Broke Girls with Kat Dennings. Yeah. And I'm like, that show was terrible, but I have a celebrity crush on Kat Dennings, so... Sure. Yeah. Can I talk about Cobra Starship now? Yeah, okay. Um, Yeah, they... Like... I definitely got into Midtown by virtue of Cobra Starship. So, like, when I made that connection of, like, Gabe being the front man of both, it was like, well, shit, like, yes, I'll check out Midtown. And although Cobra Starship sort of exhibits, like, his more... What? Id. Sure. His more fully realised vocals, I guess. Like, he... Definitely developed as a vocalist, but in saying that, he still wasn't. Like, he wasn't Brendan Urie. No, no. Um, like even though he definitely progressed on that front, this is sort of like the gag sideband to the um serious like main project. Even though that's not what it was at all. Yeah, like I sort of. Back in the day, like, I took Cobra Starship as seriously as they took themselves, which is to say I took them very seriously. But I could also see that a lot of their songs were just... They were like the proto-303. Like, the sort of... Yeah. Like, we're playing dumb party music, but also, why the fuck not? Because this is fun, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, but in hindsight, I can't tell how... Ernest Gabe was being about it, slash the whole group. 
Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I am deeply regretting it, but I got rid of my Cobra Starship CDs because I was like, man, that was a time in my life. And now it's like, I could genuinely go for, like, spinning some Cobra Starship, but I know that it's just going to give me full body cringe. Like, yeah, but then, that's interesting. But then so much of their music still slaps. Like, it's one that, like, mm. I yeah, I can't quite land on how I feel about them now. Like, I loved them at the time. I could see they were kind of silly, but I loved them. I think that's how I still feel about them, but also it's just such a weird artistic change Yeah, for Gabe to pivot from something like Midtown to Cobra Starship. Like, are they... Are they funny enough that they still hold up in 2021? Are they, like, is the music still good or is it, like, or is it, you know, one of those sounds that's just stuck in the early 2010s? Oh, it's absolutely, like, like, even the early, like, the mid-2000s because they had the Snakes on a Plane song. Look, it's a product of its time, certainly. Yeah. I can't think of acts these days where if they said, hey, we were definitely influenced by Cobra Starship, I could be like, that tracks. Like, (laughs) there's just, there's something endlessly silly about the whole thing. Yeah. But because the fan base was young enough to take it seriously, take it at face value, it worked. And now that that fan base has grown up, like... For, like, I would love to see if anyone had a Cobra Starship tattoo and, like, how they felt about it. I I was going to make the remark when we watched that film clip of theirs mm. for that song of theirs. The Church of Hot Addiction. Yeah. Can you put in a clip of that as well? Because that song fucking rules. That's what I'll put in an extra clip. Have you heard of my religion? It's called the Church of Hot Addiction. actually put it in this time. Yes. <laughs> Unlike when you said, oh, I put the intro in here and I didn't. That's fine. Um, I I get the feeling like he feels to me like someone who's just sort of like, all of his success kind of happened on accident. Like he was just sort of yeah. like, he just sort of like stumbled into a room and played bass and started this band Midtown and they accidentally got semi-big, and then yeah. he left on accident. He forgot that he was in the band and then accidentally started Cobra Starship. And look, they're doing songs with Nicki Minaj now. They did a song with Nicki They did Starships, didn't they? Was that, no. Was that them? No, Who that's just Nicki Minaj. Oh. Why did I always... I always thought that was Cobra Starship. Cobra Starship did a song with Leighton Meester, a.k.a. Blair from Gossip Girl. Okay. 
Um, and then, yeah, I think You Make Me Feel was with someone else, but I'm not sure who. But it's funny, like, will you finish talking or have I just jumped in completely? Um, well, just like, it, it just sort of felt like, I remember seeing a tweet once where it was like, Michael Sarah has the energy of someone who's just like accidentally walked in on set <laughs> and is yeah. too afraid to say, I'm not a part of this. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, and I don't know, like he definitely has more confidence, but it also feels like he just sort of stumbled into it and it happened and it worked and it worked really well for him. Well, I think that he's like, if he didn't stumble into it, he has so much confidence that it worked. Yeah. Like, this band fronted by any other person than Gabe wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, you have to have that blend of, like, charismatic ability to sort of be funny or at least try to be funny. And also, like, you've got credit from, like, your previous track record, so to speak. Mm. Like, looking at... Cobra Starship's Wikipedia page. I did not realise this, but... To quote Wikipedia, Cobra Starship was formed in 2005 after Midtown bassist Gabe Supporter took a trip to the deserts of Arizona. (laughs) During this time, Supporter went on a, quote, vision quest, (laughs) spending time with Native American tribes and smoking peyote. He began to create his vision for a new band, a melodic style of music heavily influenced by synth-pop and hip-hop. Okay... Upon returning home, Supporter rented a house in the Catskill Mountains and began writing what would become the band's debut album, While the City Sleeps, We Rule the Streets. He posted a parody response to Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl, titled Hollaback Boy, which is truly terrible, on MySpace. The song gained, gained Supporter notoriety on the internet, and he eventually signed to Decadence Records, the label of his good friend and Fallout Boy's bassist, Pete Wentz. I, uh, I was looking into... Uh, Cobra Starship tattoos, and it doesn't look like there's too many. Yeah. Uh, someone got Gabe's signature <laughs> tattooed on them. Um, uh, was Hot Mess one of their songs? Absolutely it yeah, was. Yeah, so a lot of people getting it tattooed on the inside of their... Oh, uh, lip- yeah, because the album cover has, like, a really, uh, yeah. like... Well, but- I want to say trashy, but I think that's part of the problem is, like... The whole vibe of that album played off the idea of, like, girls being trashy and having, like, long nails and fake tan and, like... Mm. But, yeah, the album cover is, like, a girl pulling her lip and she's got... Hot mess. Yeah. Um, But, like, (laughs) one of my favourite lyrics to come out of that album was from a song called Damn You Look Good and I'm Drunk. And (laughs) to quote, you're the kind of girl I'd take home to mum if my mama was dead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, so back on the tattoo thing, though. Mm. Uh, most importantly, though, someone does have a Gabe supporter tattoo. That is Fallout Boy bassist Pete Wentz. What? Gaby baby made me go bad. Oh, that's really funny. And then I'll show you. That's a, the actual picture of... <laughs> so Pete Wentz has a portrait photo of... That is a really bad Gabe supporter well. tattooed on his ankle and it says Gaby baby made me go so bad. Christ. <laughs> they need to fire Pete Wentz. No, they need to fire whoever tattooed that. Face. Is it is it as bad as his thorn vine tattoo across his like collarbone though? Like No, I like that. The thorn vine. Yeah. Okay. 
I was just making sure it was that and not the... Yeah, no, it's like, it's sort of like a, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Very biblical it's, almost. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's terrible. But, um, yeah, basically like they had just enough self-awareness to sort of give them an out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like if people were to be like, oh, Cobra Starship sucks, like they had enough sort of plausible deniability via their lyrics and their image and their vibe to sort of excuse them for being a parody band, even though I think they were mm. taking themselves 100% seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think the parallel I could make is, I don't, I don't know about like further on, but like definitely in um, the early Limp Bizkit albums, mm. like definitely um, in significant other, he was basically saying, yeah, I'm a music terrorist and you're going to fucking hate me for it, <laughs> but you're also going to love how much you hate me. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if the Cobra Starship was necessarily like that bad though. There's also the no. band, there's also the band Attila, which is like a hardcore deathcore band. I can't remember exactly the genre that they yeah. fall under, but like they're very much of that thing as well of like, we know you hate this, <laughs> but we make a lot of money doing this I, and we yeah. don't care. We I don't, don't care that you hate this. Sorry. I don't think this was meant to be thumbing anyone's nose at anyone, mm. but like it was, it's such a product of its time that it could, well, like it, they lasted for 10 years. Like even that is fucked to me. Mm. But in saying that, it makes sense that they are squarely in the past. Like, I never see any, like, hey, remember Cobra Starship? Like, op-eds, because why? Why would you? But in saying that, I thought they were brilliant to the piece, to the point where I did a portrait of Gabe supporter for my Year 12 art folio. You did? I did. I remember looking through that Mm. art folio and being like, who's this jabron? Yeah. And you're like... Gabe supporter from Cobra Starship and I was like cool yeah yeah um that's enough of me talking about Cobra Starship though Did I talk about it earlier? Like this song's this song's good. Yeah, this song's yeah, that's right. I said it's lower G good. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's good and I think you put it in between like the other 
you know, put it where in its placement on the album. It's good. It's it's very much, and it's maybe he just really is that style of musician as well that captures what the sound of the time is, and then leaves, pieces out. Yeah, because like this, this is a very, very early proto pop punk sounding al- uh, album and song. Yeah, um, like I listen to it and go, yeah, like. I could hear these songs on American Pie or Van Wilder or, you know, Road Trip or any of those, you know, high school slash college movies. Um, I have made the comparison between his vocals and the lead singer from Less Than Jake Mm -hmm. to the point I'm pretty sure when I looked this up on YouTube, it then recommended the, like, Less Than Jake playlist. Oh, cute. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know, like, I, I would probably still be preferring to listen to Less Than Jake, but I think the older I get, the more I'm just like, I can't listen to those brass instruments. Sure. Scar. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about this? Good. I can't remember it anymore because I've talked so long about Cobra Starship. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I like it. It's not like the best track off Save the World, Lose the Girl. No. Um, is it, does it translate the best though to an acoustic version? Uh, I guess, like, I guess there's a reason why they would have picked it. Mm. Um, and we know now that they would have picked it. Yes. Yeah. And that they would not have gotten royalties afterwards. (laughs) Good thing. Well, they would have because the back end royalties, they own the originals. Because they own the originals and especially if they put it out on something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, from what I can remember from listening to Save the World, Lose a Girl, like, I would have liked to have heard, like, either Let Go or No Place Feels Like Home as acoustic covers, just as a thought experiment, but in saying that, I don't know how they would differ to this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my view on it all up is just, it's a solid song. It captures a very specific moment in the quote scene where things were a bit less polished and were a bit more scrappy. And in that sense, they carry a lot of nostalgia that I wasn't there for, Yeah, but I still am quite happy to shoulder it. Um, and the acoustic version doesn't bring anything new to the table, but I still enjoy it. I My last remarks about the original is that this is a quintessential track eight or nine of a 12-track album. Yeah. Where, like, you you come off strong with your first, like, four songs, and then you, you bring it home strong with your last song. Yeah. Did I say albums or songs? Um, I <laughs> don't know. It doesn't it's matter. fine. Um, but, yeah, you come in strong with your first, you know first four songs or so and then come in strong with your last uh this is that one where it's like it's the eighth or ninth song of the album and it just sort of it's kind of feels like it's there to pat it out and move it along like there's stuff to enjoy it's still a good song but i yeah like you i've kind of forgotten yeah it's interesting because like track seven track eight 
in terms of album sequencing is usually quite a at least in my view, like a very strategic kind of track placement. Okay. Um, like immediately one that I'm thinking of was from the Academy is, is album fast times at Barrington high, which coincidentally is called after the last Midtown show. Um, and it sort of like signals like a sort of, it's almost like the frontispiece for like the last third of the album kind of thing. Yep. Um, like, it can be used very strategically to sort of mark, like, a shift or, like, sort of a moment for the listener to, like, take a breath or something. Mm. I guess in this sense, like, it is just a bit of a palate cleanser track. Yeah. Maybe. Or maybe they didn't think of it at who, all. Who? Well, I mean, they thought of it enough to acoustic cover it, to unplug it. Acoustify. Acoustify it. Uh, when the acoustic version starts every time, I think, am I listening to... That Smashing Pumpkin song, is it Today? Um, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, it starts off very similar in the guitars. Oh, but shit. like the yeah. Smashing Pumpkins version has more note changes. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, am I listening? Oh, wait, no, I'm not listening to that. I need to listen to Smashing Pumpkins again. It's been a minute. It's a good album. It is. And first... We don't really buy CDs for each other, but like first and <laughs> possibly only CD you ever bought for me. I was a psycho who had to force feed my music taste down your throat, so I bought you a copy. I thought it was really sweet, actually. I'm glad. It was one of our first dates. It was. At a secondhand music shop, and you're like, I love this album, and I'm going to buy it for you because I want you to listen to it. Aww. I could have... I could have done the same thing and it could have gone drastically wrong. So <laughs> I think I think your gambit of making me, you know, giving me the CD, but also like, you know, guilting me into listening to it. <laughs> it paid off. True. Look, we're still here 10 years later. Wasn't, so. well, it wasn't guilt, but I also wasn't going to be the asshole that didn't listen to the CD that I got bought. See, that's nice because my boyfriend before you... Did that? I made him two mixes. I don't think he listened to either of them. So there's a scene Boo. from there's a scene from Five Hundred Days of Summer where it's literally <laughs> yeah. that, and you were like, we watched it kind of close into our relationship, and you were like triggered by that. And then like the next time around, you're like, oh no, he's kind of an asshole. So like that didn't bother you as much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make you a playlist Aww. of my stuff. That would be and nice. I'm going to be disappointed when you don't listen to it. No, please. I need disappointment to fuel me at this point. I'm not doing anything. So if someone could be like, hey, I'm really disappointed in you that you didn't go for a walk today, then right. maybe out of spite the next morning I'll be like, well, fuck you, and I'll go for a walk. One of the things I love to make, and I, I, I kind of am sad I never did. I kind of did this, but like not to a huge extent, like, I love making playlists. Yeah. Would have loved to have done more mixed CDs, mixtapes. Oh, I have so many. I'm so glad I brought them back with me last time I was home. So I'm going to make you a playlist of just Sam. Yes. And you're going to listen to it and you're going to like it or hate it. It's up to you. <laughs> so, so in the next couple of weeks, I'll ask you to fully review it. You're going to get what you're given and you'll like it. Um. Anyway, this song is, it's fine. Again, yeah. it's 
Lowercase f fine. So I guess it's getting worse. I I just I give it a yes. I give both of them a yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. They don't get a a heck yes. No. No. A heck yeah. A hell yeah. They get a, a yes. Um. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about the acoustic version? No, nothing. Are, I haven't already said. Are we wrapping it up? I think so. I think. <laughs> I mean, we're past forty minutes, so I I feel like if we can p- make it past forty minutes in every episode, I'm doing good. I mean, yeah. We can continue. We can make it longer. How was your week? How's your week been? How, what have you? Well, no. Bye. <laughs> this has been knew it all along. <laughs>